You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. If you haven't noticed, it's Expo Weekend at the Creek, and so we have all of our groups set up, all of our groups represented. If you've got a motorcycle, um, we have uh, a Creek Riders group, so motorcycle, trike, whatever, man. No Schwins on that one. If you have a Schwinn and want to start another group, we'll help you get started, um, but uh, you're going to have to pedal really hard to keep up with that. Um, but after the service, we've shortened the service so that you can visit the tables and get to know some of our leaders and get to know our group leaders. And... Uh, Eat some of the treats at these at these tables because I know there's some 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 homemade cookies and brownies at some of these tables. So you'll just have to go on a little scavenger hunt to find your group and find some snacks after service. So uh, I got a I got a, a notification on my phone this morning that um, Hurricane Irma had made landfall and uh, came on shore in Florida. Hurricane um, category four. 130 plus mile an hour winds, and so uh, there's a lot that's going to happen there. Um, you guys uh, just rallied to it a couple weeks ago to help out with Hurricane Harvey relief, and uh, I, I just want to, want to. can we just stop and just pray for all the people who are serving in Har- Harvey, but also for the people who are worried about what they're going to lose now with Hurricane Irma. So uh, let's just pray and lift them up. So Father, we uh, know that you are in control of everything and that, that you are the Lord over the storm. And it just, at your word, um, you can bring a complete calm to the seas and calms to the wind. And, and God, I, I pray that, that, that you bring calm uh, to storms. I pray that you bring calm to people um, that right now are worried about what they're going to lose, are worried about what they've lost. And, and people still from Houston and South Texas and all the areas affected that haven't been able to go home to see what they've lost. I just pray you bring a peace over them. And God, I pray that you uh, protect the, the first responders and all the, all the aid workers that are serving um, in those areas and now traveling to Florida to help uh, what's happening there. And so I just pray that you be with them. Help us as a church be quick to engage in areas that, that we can. Uh, we trust you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, two weeks ago, you guys helped fill a tractor trailer full of, of uh, supplies to go down to South Texas. And so several other churches joined in with this, and sometimes it's hard to think what my small part will do in the bigger picture, and we were able to post a video from our missionary that took it all down on Facebook where everything was piled up as they were distributing things, and so when you th- if, you, if you haven't seen that, go look at our Facebook page, and you can see what an impact of wonder what my case of water or me bringing this bucket and trash bags does in the greater good of, of this cleanup, and you see how it becomes exponential, and then you guys have been absolutely generous over the last two weeks. Um, $8,801 is what's been raised um, that's going to be sent for hurricane relief. And so thank you guys. Um, I I love being a part of a church that's ready to engage. And so thank you. Thank you for being generous with it. We're starting a new series today. Um, We're taking a little bit of a break from Luke and we're revisiting a series that we did last November called One Church. And uh, that was a series where we kicked off a three-year process, three-year journey to increase capacity for ministry here at the Creek. And and that means square footage, but also that means more ministry. And how do we get more more ministry outside of this building? Because church is not just about assembly. 
healing people. It's about getting people out into the world and out and scattered and going and doing what we need to do to help others and help others uh, to see Jesus and make Jesus clear as we love people. And uh, so we started that three-year process last year. And and one of the things that, that we realized in revisiting this series this year is that our church has grown by over 30% in the last year. So 30% of people who come to the church every week weren't here when we kicked off this vision series last November. And so I don't want to, I want to revisit that and, and give you some updates on some things. The last couple months, I haven't been able to give a lot of project updates on what's going on. Um, when we kicked off one church, I said, you know, we're looking at a $2.5 million uh, project cost. And uh, we started making commitments and raising funds and doing everything we need to do. And 176 families joined in and over that three years committed to sacrificially give $946,059.87. That's incredible. Um, that's over three years. One of the challenges we were facing last November was, was the need for cash to come in up front. Uh, so we could pay for design fees and architecture fees, permits, and all of these little things that add up. And so the amount that's come in off of those pledges since November is $175,245.65. What's incredible is that next number. It's $297,924.88 has come in outside of those commitments. So what that means is as people have been coming to the creek and are new, um, You've engaged in giving towards one church. Um, these are, and, or maybe you were here during the series last year and you didn't make a pledge, you didn't make a commitment, but you've been giving uh, towards this, this initiative. You've been giving towards increasing the capacity of ministry for Fort Worth. And so what that means is since November, what has come in is $473,170.53. I mean, that is huge. Um, We've been able to pay all of the design fees. We've been able to pay all of the, all of the little things, the permit fees. And, and the last several months, it just feels like a lot of things have stalled. Well, this week, a lot of things came together. Um, this week, we got word from the city that our permits are being released with approval. Um, and so that's a good thing. Uh, we made it through that. Uh, pray for the city inspectors. If you know one, buy them lunch. Be like, hey, do you know Jesus and, and my church, man? Um, and uh, so pray for that process. We got our, a commitment letter from our bank this week that we've been approved for, for everything that we were hoping to do. Um, so they have given us financing and funding. And so we're going through the process with that. When we, when we started this, we said, we're only going to do what God gives us peace to do. And, and what's incredible is God's how he's done it and how he's managed this whole process with, with stewardship and with finances, we're able to do a two-story on the back of this facility. So the first floor will be children's and a couple adult classrooms. The second floor will be unfinished and we'll figure out what we're going to use that for. We want the best use of space. And then we're going to be able to get a new lobby on the south side of the building. So it's going to free up a lot of space and a lot of opportunities for us to increase ministry that happens here and out of here. Um, So thank you for being faithful with that. We got that from the bank, and then we got the contract from our builder this week, and so all that is ready to go. Now, I got good news, bad news. The the good news, last year I said it's going to be $2.5 million. The good news is it didn't go up. The bad news is it didn't go down. Um, 
so, and we're trying to get all of those prices locked in because with all of the hurricanes, they're forecasting construction materials to, to be more expensive in the next several months. So we're trying to get those prices and contracts locked in, and we hope to start construction in the next four to six weeks. Um, so those of you who know that joke, welcome to phase two. If you don't know that joke, when we were moving into this facility in June of 2014, our, our builder said, you're going to be in in four to six weeks. We're like, awesome. So I started announcing it. We moved in November. So we'll just say that way. Um, longest four to six weeks of my life. So, but what, what I hope to do in this, in this series is revisit this, uh, uh, but not from a project standpoint, because projects don't drive us. I don't get excited about building projects. I don't get excited about construction. I don't get excited about having to work through financing processes with the bank. I don't get excited about that. What I get excited about is what we're really called to do, and that's the mission, vision, and values that, that, are, that we are as a church. And when we launched this church, we said, God, we're going to do this your way, and we want to make this a place where, where people are loved, that Jesus has made clear, and we want to do what you want us to do in, in, in the church. And that mission has always driven us. And that mission is to glorify God with lives changed by the message of Jesus. And that message of Jesus means it's the good news. It's called the gospel. And that good news is this, that, that we have a God who created us, that loves us. And we were separated from him because of our decisions of sin. And, and at the moment in history, God sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. And he walked a hill called Calvary. He gave his life on a cross for our salvation, for our, to pay for our sin. He was placed in a borrowed grave, in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day, he walked from that tomb, and he holds the power over sin and death, and he has the opportunity and the freedom that we need for forgiveness and hope. That's the good news that we have as the church, and my life has been changed by that. I've seen hundreds of lives changed by that just at the creek, and when that happens, God gets the credit. God gets the glory for it, and we believe he's the only one worthy of all of that praise and all of that honor, and when he gets it, he's praised, and when he gets it, it's good, and we're called to give it to him. Our, our values that we wrapped ourselves around as a church, um, our truth, that we believe in the truth of the word of God. It is the word of God. It is the inerrant word of God. It is living. It is breathing. It is active. It can cut us to the bone. It can change our heart, change our life, change our destiny. And it is the truth of God. God is trustworthy. And when you have someone who is trustworthy and they speak, their word is trustworthy. And so this is the word of God to us. And we believe in this truth. We stand on this truth. We believe in community. We're not called to do this alone. That you and I need each other. We're the most connected generation that's ever walked this planet. But we're the loneliest generation that's ever walked this planet. Because we can connect with each other online, but we lack real relationship. That's why all these booths are set up around this room, because we believe in, in, in life being connected together. We believe in worship, that God is the only one worthy of worship. We're created and wired to worship. We're going to put something as ultimate in our life, whether that's money, jobs, people, relationships, kids, sports, which by the way, football season starts at 720 tonight, folks. Just saying. I mean, I know it started Thursday, and that was a good warm-up. Actually, that was a great game. Was that, I mean, I'm, if you're a Pats fan, I'm sorry, okay? I will admit and confess the Super Bowl was the, one of the greatest I've ever seen, but you got to admit Thursday night was a great game. I mean, it was a great game. Tonight's going to be even better. But um, we believe in worship. We put something on the throne in our life, 
And that something needs to be the God and creator and sustainer of the universe. And then we believe in the mission of the scripture. We believe in the mission of the gospel. Because church is never about just assembling a bunch of people and helping us feel good. It's about us being equipped to engage in the mission and purpose that God has called us for in our life. Those are the values we wrap ourselves on and and our vision, what we want to see as a church is we want to see communities transformed and connected in authentic relationships with God and other people. I want to see more of what's happening at the creek in more communities. I believe that that there's communities all around us where people need this life-changing message. And our goal is to help make that happen whether that's funding church plants or sending people from our own church to plant churches in these communities. That's what we want to see. Because here's what I know. I'm going to challenge you over this four-week series to really pray about something. If you're not a part of one church in this this process that we're in, I want to challenge you to pray about being a part of that. And in four weeks, we're going we're gonna to do a commitment card again, just like we did last year. 176 families filled one out. And we're going to give you that opportunity. And this isn't a pressure thing. If, here's, what, here's how I want you to pray about it, because I'm not going to pressure you about money, because I believe God can take care of everything, and I've seen him do it. But we're going to give you that opportunity, and here's what I want you to pray. God, what do you want to do through me? If he says nothing, do nothing. But if he says something, do something. And I want to give you that opportunity. And here's what I know. Before I commit to anything, I want to know what I'm getting into. I want to know who you are. What are you about? And so I want to answer some questions about us as a church over the next several weeks. You know, who we are, where we're going, how we're going to get there. What is our part in all this? And I want to, I want to take you to a passage that honestly, uh, this, it, it, this is a personal passage. This is an emotional passage for Heather and I. If you've got your Bibles, go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 4. And, and this is the passage that Heather and I wrestled with when, when we felt God saying, I want you to plant a church. I want you to start a church. And God took us through this struggle. Heather and I were on staff at a church. I, we were both in corporate world. And in 2002, 15 years ago in August, I resigned from the corporate world, went back to college and got a, a, a seminary degree in church ministries and business administration and I entered youth ministry and went on staff at a church. And after eight years, felt God stirring something in me. And we began to wrestle with this, this, what are you doing, God? And he took us to this passage. And Heather and I did a study of this. And, and a lot of my identity as a pastor has come from this passage. We, we wrestled through this in the late spring and summer of 2009. We planted the church, launched the church in March of 2010. And I'm going to invite you into this because if you call the creek your home, if you come to church here, then you're a part of this struggle. And I want to invite you into this struggle. And I want to invite you into understanding this identity. Let me read this to you. Um, You can follow on the screens if you want to. Um, One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, Saul was the king of Israel at this time, um, said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go to the Philistine garrison on the other side. Um, But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah on the, in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Atub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Um, let, let me help you. Sometimes you get, you get stuck on names in the Bible. 
We could go back and spend a month studying this, this passage. But I want you to see the setup in this. And you've got to understand that at this time, Israel is at war with the Philistines. And so he's setting it up. So all of these people are advisors and men of God that have gone out to be with, with the army. It's always important to have God with you before you go to battle. And the people didn't know Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other. The name of one was Bozes and the name of the other was Senna. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash and the other to the south in front of Geba. So what you've got is, is this, this um, army of 600 men in, in this valley and there's, there's crags on the north and crags on the south. And on the top of this is the Philistine garrison. And so Jonathan is the king's son. He's in the battle and he says to his armor bearer, I wanna climb up there. He, he, he says, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Now, here's how you know it's a passage close to my heart because there's already trash talk happening. I mean, Jonathan's like, let's go, let's go handle this. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. If, if you underline in your Bible or highlight, I would highlight this. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to Jonathan, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and we'll show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stay in our place. We'll stand in our place and we will not go up. <clears throat> but if they say to us, Come up, then we'll go up. For the Lord has given them into our hand as this shall be assigned to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of Philistines, and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison held Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us, and we're gonna show you a thing. We're gonna teach you a lesson. We're gonna deal with you. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And after and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed them after Jonathan. After that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within, as it were, a half furrow's length of an acre of land. So it's like a half acre. Sometimes it's called a yoke of an acre or yoke of land because you could plow it in, a, in a, a day with a yoke of oxen. And there was panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled the earth quaked and it became a great panic. That, that was the passage that God took Heather and I to in this, this pivotal point in our life and, and, and worked us through this. And there's some things I want to track through this because I believe some of you are in a place where God's challenging you. God's challenging us. And, and, and I want to I connect some dots for you on identity because my identity as a pastor came a lot from this passage. Our identity as a church comes from this. And, and here's what I believe that, that God was speaking to us then and speaking to us now is that we have a choice in pursuing the promises of God and the purposes of God. When I, when I was wrestling this and Heather and I were studying this, um, we were on staff at a, a, a dynamic, growing church, loved our church. 
I thought I'd be there forever. I thought I'd retire there. They would have my funeral there. And in 2009, God began to stir in me and, and, and began to kind of point me in a different direction. And Heather and I had some very hard conversations. And when we read this and we were studying through this, we knew the choice that God was putting in front of us. I can either be Jonathan or Saul in this. I can, I can go make my bed and make my camp under the pomegranate tree and try to sustain my life in the comfort that I think I've built, or I can charge the hill. And, and ultimately, I felt like God was saying, I'm giving you this choice. I'm giving you this choice because uh, you do have some comfort and, and you'll see some lives change, but you're not going to do everything I've called you to do. And I'm, I'm still going to be with you, Matt. I'm still going to love you. There's nothing that's going to separate you from my love, but you got a choice. And I really came to a point that if I'm going to see God do incredible things in my life, if I'm going to see the earth tremble, I've got to climb the hill. And I didn't want to be at the last days of my life when I wish I would have climbed that hill. I wish I would have taken that, that step and that risk for God. And we've got that choice to make. You have choices to make. God puts choices in front of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. He said, I put before you life and death. Choose life. Blessing and curses. Choose blessing. For a lot of us, we look back and, well, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, you want to choose life and you want to be blessed. But when you find yourself in that valley and the hill is on either side of you, and it becomes overwhelming. You, 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 you really start to wrestle with some of your emotions. And, and what I had to do is I had to get to a point where, God, I trust you regardless of the overwhelming circumstances. Let me give you an insight into the overwhelming circumstances that, that the Israelite army was facing. If you go back to chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, tells us, the size of the Philistine force. I'll I'll read it to you. It says, And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and troops like the sand on the seashore. And they were encamped on the top of these crags. Verse 6, When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, sometimes being in the middle of God's will means you're going to be pressed. Following God isn't always easy. But it says they were pressed. The people hid themselves in caves, in holes, and in rocks, and in tombs, and in cisterns. In tombs. These people were so scared, they were hiding in graves. See, that's what comfort will lead us to do. We think we're building comfort around us to protect us. Ultimately, it's our coffin. That will be the most comfortable thing your body will ever lay on. And the people were scared. The people were hiding. The nation was in a depressed state because the Philistines had plundered them. There was two swords in the nation of Israel. King Saul carried one. Jonathan carried the other. One was around Saul's waist laying under the pomegranate tree. And one was around Jonathan's waist that says, I'm going up this hill to pick a fight. Overwhelming circumstances. We face things every day that seem overwhelming. 
We face doctor's diagnosis. It's overwhelming. We see financial statements that become overwhelming. We deal with the impact of our kids' decisions, and it can be overwhelming. We wonder how the fight has gotten so bad between us that the thought of reconciling anything is overwhelming. And God can be trusted. You see, Jonathan trusted God because he said, God is mighty to save whether by many or by few. So Jonathan's looking at like 600 men to all of that. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and troops that look like sand on a seashore. 600 men, two swords. Yeah, that's overwhelming. Oh, by the way, armor bearer, let's just you and I go. I think if I, I, if I, if I were the armor bearer, I'd be like, you're crazy. Have fun, Jonathan. I'll do your eulogy. But a pivotal moment happened. His armor bearer looked at him and said, do all that is in your heart. I'm with you, heart and soul. Jonathan trusted God and his armor bearer trusted Jonathan. A defining moment for Heather and I in 2009, six months before we launched the Creek Church, was I told Heather, I said, I really believe God's calling us to plant the church. And I don't know how it's gonna work and I don't know how this is gonna come together and we knew what it meant It meant selling a house that you were in love with. It meant stepping out into the unknown. But when she looked at me and she said, do all that is in your heart, I'm with you heart and soul. I knew then that I could charge the hill. I was ready to charge hell with a squirt gun at that point. (laughs) Because I knew I don't care who else goes on this ride with me. My wife is with me. When she said heart and soul, and she's been with me heart and soul for the last seven and a half years. She's endured the climb. You you can honor her. I can't hardly look at you, baby. Sorry. Um, But this climb, we didn't know the outcome. God can be trusted. But here's the thing. That was a living room decision. I'm with you heart and soul. But eventually, you got to start the climb. And you got to make that advance. And we're called to advance even when we don't know the outcome. And that was the hard part about this. Because I said, I'm going to climb the hill, and I'm good because I'm, I know you're with me, but I don't know how this is going to go. I mean, we're putting all of our chips in this basket. It wasn't, I'm gonna go get a job and do this bivocationally. I'm gonna put everything in this, God, because you've called me to go all in. And I don't know how this is gonna go. I mean, I told Heather, I was like, man, this could kill us. And God reminded us, the only thing death can do to a Christian is make your life eternally better. All right? We could lose everything, honey. We're selling our house, we're moving, we don't know where we're going, we're... I I mean, this is volatile times. And we just got to a point of saying, what's the worst that could happen? We start over. We We see one life changed is worth it all. So we started this advance, but what's interesting, it says that Jonathan and his armor bearer climbed up on their hands and knees. 
for seven and a half years, this climb as a church has been on our hands and knees. And we've got to do it through prayer. We've got to do it by humbling ourselves before the, the power of God, the will of God, and the purpose of God, and let the peace of God move us. And a lot of us make these big decisions, but we fail to advance because this is the scariest part, because we don't know how it's going to go. I'm not creative enough to write the story the way the last seven and a half years have gone. In 2009, when Heather and I were wrestling through this passage, I, I, I wasn't creative enough to say the church is going to be in a daycare for four and a half years. Climbing on our hands and knees, but seeing lives changed. Seeing people that had grown up and been hurt in church or dealing with baggage and, and, and church crap come into a daycare and go, I'm willing to come into here and step into genuine, authentic love. I'm not creative enough to write the story of how we're even sitting in this building that another church starts it and gives, comes to us and says, we're gonna give this to you. You finish it out. And let's work on this together. I'm not creative enough to to write the testimonies of things that we're we're trying to get on video. Marriages destroyed and then God reconciles them. Addicts that are sitting in prison that get out and show up and say, I was just told I was supposed to come to church here. And we see them give their life to Christ. We see them baptized and we see them engage in ministering to other addicts. I'm not creative enough to write this, guys. I'm not creative enough to write every penny that's been given sacrificially since last November for us to be able to create some more space to reach more lives. I'm not that creative. But I'm willing to keep advancing on my hands and knees. But eventually you get to the top of a hill. And advancing just doesn't get the job done. We've got to engage. If we're unwilling to engage, we're never going to see victories. See, when Jonathan and his armor bearer got up there, and here's the thing. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, he said, if they say stay, we're going to stay. No one, that's our death warrant. But if they say come up, we're going. And and as I'm reading this, all I'm thinking of is is, is Russell Crowe and Gladiator when he's like, on my signal, unleash hell. I mean, I... You're getting a warped insight to the mind of Matt. I'm sorry. But you know, when the word of God says that the two of them got up and and killed 20 men and a half acre, (laughs) there was a little bit of, uh, let's say heaven unleashed because hell trembled. The earth shook and there was panic among the entire Philistine armies. All the chariots, all the horsemen, All the soldiers that looked like sand became panicked. And there was a victory that happened. God did his part. We gotta be faithful to do ours. See, they drew this sword, the only sword they had when they got to the top and started the fight. But God shook the earth. You know, another battle that God shook the earth was when Jesus breathed his last on a cross. 
See, I, I, I have the courage to charge a hill because I follow a Savior who charged a hill. And he carried a cross, the greatest weapon in the world, up that hill. And he laid his life down. And what, what the world may see as a man dying was really securing the victory of the most epic battle eternity will ever see. A lot of people like to study end times and they think, well, in the end, when God comes back in the battle of Armageddon, that's gonna be the most epic battle. Can I, can I help you with something? The battle at the end of that has already been secured because of the cross. There's gonna be a fight, but the victory's already been won because of the cross of Christ. So who are we? We're a church that's gonna charge the hill and we're gonna keep climbing. When it's on our hands and knees, we're gonna climb. When we get to the top, we're gonna fight. And we're gonna fight for people who are desperate and hopeless and dying. And then we're gonna find the next hill and we're gonna crawl on our hands and knees we're going to get to the top and we're going to fight. We're going to keep choosing and trusting and pursuing. This week, we wrote a declaration statement for our church. It says this. You can go ahead and put it up. It says, our, our church, the creek, will be a community of people unwavering in our commitment to truth, relentless in our worship of Jesus, and focused on the mission of the gospel. We're going to do this together under the banner of truth giving God all the honor, and we're gonna keep engaging to see lives changed. And I'm gonna give it everything I got until my final breath. And I hope you'll go with me on this hill. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you and we thank you that, uh, that you give us courage, you give us strength, you give us hope. Everything we need to be warriors to charge this hill. And so, Father, I, I, I first thank you that you, Jesus, charged a hill, that you paid a penalty of our sin, you paid the debt for us, that you fought the battle for us, that you gave your life so that we could have life. And the power of you being raised again shows that you have the power to give us life and sustain our life from here and through eternity. God, I pray for the, those, those in this room who've never made that relationship secure in their life, that they've never come to that moment of faith that's, that they say, Jesus, I, I trust you and I wanna follow you and I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to make me new. I'm asking you to make me a warrior that follows you up the hill. God, I pray you give them the courage to pray that. God, I pray that we're a church that never, ever, ever, ever seeks our comfort over your purpose. And I pray we continue to see lives changed as we choose trust, as we climb, and as we fight. And we pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus, and it's for your glory. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at thecreekfw.com.